0: Hey there and welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. This podcast is all about providing clarity, insight, and encouragement for life and mission. And My name is Aaron Santemeyer and I'm going to be your host. Today we have the phenomenal opportunity to sit down with Pastor Rod Loy from North Little Rock, uh, also known as NLR, and just have an insightful conversation about fatherhood and um, just wishing all of our fathers that are listening in a happy Father's Day. Pastor Rod just provides some great wisdom, some insight, some experience of his many years in ministry, and then he talks some some personal things about um, his boys and how he, he's invested in them and how he's learned to um, like the things that they like, and uh, talks about some four-wheelers and uh, some different things that his, his boys did and liked to do and how he was able to engage with them. And uh, he also talks about some cultural trends that he's seeing as a pastor, and um, I think that was very insightful and important for each of us. Like I said, I do want to wish all the fathers are listening in a great Father's Day and um, appreciate you. You're valuable and um, important um, for our culture and our society society today. I do want to ask you to continue sending in your questions for Back Channel with Foth. That's where we sit down with Dick Foth and um, curate the questions that listeners send in. And then um, we get to sit down with him present the questions for Dick and then he he shares with us his his experience and his wisdom and it's always a great time to spend with him Um, do want to ask you to continue to describe the podcast I know the podcasts that I listen to are the ones I subscribe to and that way you'll get it on every Sunday evening um, depending where you're living at Uh, well there's no time better than now to get started so here we go Greetings and welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. So excited to be here today with a friend of the podcast, Pastor Rod DeWay. Welcome to the podcast, Rod.
1: Oh, Thank you, Aaron. Good to be with you guys
0: today. Really looking forward to it. Rod, will you go ahead and share just a little bit about yourselves for, for the listeners? Many different denominations and missions listen into this podcast. In the Assemblies of God, you're very well known. Uh, but for somebody that comes from a different mission, um, yeah, would
1: you just share a little bit about yourself? Yeah, I pastor a 110 year old church in North Little Rock, Arkansas, which when you hear that, you think it's probably stuck (laughs) and stagnant. Uh, But it's thankfully uh, very, um, very aggressive and growing and still making a difference around the world. I've been the lead pastor for 21 years, been here 30 years. Wow. And my wife, Cindy, and I have two sons. Parker and Tyler Parker is our co-pastor and Tyler is he might be the only guy I know who he's both the kids pastor and the senior adult pastor wow so he he truly pastors from
0: cradle to the grave Yes, he does. That is fascinating. That is fascinating. Rod, you have a love for missions and missionaries. Will you just share a little bit about that, where where the onus of that or the origin story of your love for missions and
1: missionaries? I think my love for missions started uh, when I was just in elementary school. And the church I was at, the a missionary came home to itinerate and his family was based in our home church. And that missionary was a guy familiar to Africa, Don Corbin. Yeah. And so I got to be around Don and his family and his kids. And that kind of first planted the seed uh, for Africa in my heart. And then, you know, I, I was always in churches that championed missions and loved missions and some something that was kind of set in my heart early. Um, You know, I don't know why God hasn't called Cindy and I to the mission field. So we'll just kind of lean into our role, which is promoting, serving and funding. Yeah. And so we're still open to the possibility that one may one day he may call us to go. And when he does, we're ready and we'll be excited to answer the call.
0: Amen. Amen. Well, you're very much appreciated. We're going to spend some, a little bit of to time today talking about fatherhood and lessons learned, and uh, just and learning from you from your time of being a father and being in ministry and um, being both a physical father and also a spiritual father to many. Um, so I just normally we begin the podcast kind of with lessons learned, and um, what are one or two lessons you have learned about being a father, and maybe more specifically about being a father
1: and being engaged as a pastor in ministry. You know for years, I wasn't willing to talk about fathering or parenting Hmm. because my boys were still on their journey. Yeah, And so what I didn't want was somebody listening saying, yeah, well, I just saw (laughs) like, okay. So I feel like now they are fairly successful young adults and father, one of them's a father himself. And so I feel a little better about it. Uh, One of the one of the lessons I learned, it's a, it's a mistake I made. I wish I would have learned it earlier. And that's decide what matters. Mm. So my mm. younger son, he was uh he was not quite as excited about schoolwork and grades, and you know, his haircuts and his fashion choices we didn't like. And it wasn't until he was about 15 years old that all of a sudden I realized we're arguing about stuff in our home that we don't care about. Wow. Wow. He's never going to, he's never going to use algebra. Yeah. And so what do we care? Yeah. Um, And he's going to think that haircut's stupid in two years. (laughs) Uh, And even though, you know, every parent says, well, your grades follow you. They don't. Yeah. I've never, when I'm interviewing people, I've never asked somebody, what was your GPA? or what do you make in eighth grade algebra? I don't give a rip. None of that matters. And so now on this side, looking back, when my boys are both adults, I realize the only really things that matter to us is lifelong follower of Jesus, who loves their parents and loves the church. Wow. Wow. And, And that's what matters. And I think if, if I had to do all over again, and thankfully at about 15, I finally learned it. Most of the stuff parents argue about, they don't matter. Wow. And I would have I focused on what matters. Because when you really think about it, most of the tension in the home is just, it's just stupid stuff yeah. that isn't eternal. Yeah. And that doesn't affect their destiny. But you'll get a lot of this in the home and yeah. a lot of conflict in the home over haircuts. Well, I don't care. I I don't care what haircut or what kind of makeup you wear, whatever. Right. So that's, that's one, that's kind of a negative lesson. And then something I think we did right. And that is teach financial lessons early. Wow. And kind of, I want one of my goals with uh, my sons and with people who I lead is I want them to be financially positioned. I want life alignment for them to be able to say yes to God. So with our boys, uh, they each had one big birthday party in all their time growing up. They, uh, you know, we'd, we'd have family and stuff, but as far as friends, they didn't, we didn't do that. We didn't do big amounts of birthday gifts, Christmas gifts. But what I did was instead of spending the money on parties and gifts, I put the money in an investment fund for them. Hmm. And then as as soon as they were old enough, at about 10 years old for them, they met with a financial advisor. They determined what their risk tolerance was, what stocks they'd like to put it in. Wow. And they started. So then as as soon as they started that account, I made a deal with them. Any money you put in, I'll match. Wow. And so if they got $100 for their birthday from somebody, they'd realize if they put it in, they get $200. <laughs> and then those stock accounts were theirs, but they couldn't get it until they graduated college or they turned 25. Wow. And that's, that's when they could start taking out from it. So like my, my older son, Tyler, his high school graduation, he got a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> and he took me to the bank, man. I mean, I had to match all of the money. And so he he had a good amount. He met with his financial advisor and he decided he wanted to buy shell oil and he bought it at the bottom and he ultimately made two and a half times his money. So he doubled his money when it went in because I matched it. And then he made two and a half times that on on shell. And so they are in better places financially than I was at that age. And so they learned to prioritize giving and saving before spending. Hmm. And so, you know, my dad taught me when I was young, 10% goes to God, 40% goes to savings, the rest you can blow. Wow! And now seeing my sons at 28 and 30 years old, and they're in better financial position, Than most kids their age when they got married they were able to make a down payment on a house and pay cash for the ring and cash for the honeymoon and cash to start furnishings and stuff like that because they disciplined themselves early yeah yeah i don't i don't think you can start the financial lessons too early and i know that doesn't sound very spiritual but our financial position affects so much it's true, if we're able to be responsive to the Lord's call, and I just don't ever want to say, Yes, Lord, but I got this visa bill, yeah, or Yes, Lord, but I've got these school loans, yeah, or Yes, Lord, but I have this car payment. So, I don't think you can ever start too early teaching your kids that. And obviously, you know, if you're bad at it, you're going to raise kids that are really bad. At it. <laughs> Yeah, uh, that and it that would grow the wrong way. Growing and in, in
0: you said it grew exponentially with the finances, but if we're bad at it, it uh, the debt and the the pot, the lessons we we teach and they see for sure, uh, for sure. When you look at the the biblical examples of of being a father, are, are there any stories from the Bible that maybe come to mind? And, and what lessons do you learn learn from one or, one or two of those?
1: All right, let me give you two and two that are really, really opposite. Okay. The first I use a lot, and that's Adam and Eve. Hmm. Both both sons were raised in the exact same environment. One son did horribly wrong. Hmm. And I remind parents, you can't blame yourself for everything your kids do. Wow, that's good. They're, They're both raised in the same spot, Minimal outside influence. And look how different they turn out. And that's we do our best. We plant seeds. We love our kids. We try to teach them good decision making. But ultimately, they get to live that out Mm. and flesh that out. And I see so many parents that are paralyzed because of the poor decisions their kids make. You can't control that. All you can do is arm them with the right the right things, and then I think of Joseph, the father of Jesus, who was basically anonymous mm. you know after Jesus's birth, you don't really hear much about joseph that's true you know he's not he's not like a featured character in the story. he doesn't get no you know when's the last time you heard somebody quote joseph it's <laughs> true it, it just but but what I learned from Joseph is let your kids shine. Hmm. I That's don't good. want to be in competition with my kids. And sometimes the best thing you can do is sit back and let God do what God wants to do in and through them. And so many times parenting is we we keep asking this question. or We hammer it to our kids. How will this reflect on me? Hmm. Uh, and that to me uh is kind of selfish it's oh this is about me i want you to do this because of how it affects me sometimes we stand back and let them be what god designed them to be and that might mean we're in the shadows like joseph yeah but there's there's still joy in the shadows yeah it's
0: good it's good very challenging. Those, if I was going to pick two, those probably wouldn't have been the, even on the radar, but great lessons and uh, very, very applicable. And I uh, yeah, really appreciate thats your, You're a pastor leading in, in the United States. What Are there any cultural trends you see for fathers or fatherhood um, in the culture and maybe some that may be positive, maybe some that are not so positive?
1: All right, let me give you, I'll give you one positive and one not positive. Okay. Um, the not positive uh, parents are way too intense about their kids' pastimes, hmm. whether, it's, whether it's sports or dance or cheerleading. I mean, they are trying to train their kids to be future big, league, big leaguers, yeah instead of future followers of Jesus, wow, that's good. and it's very concerning to me, and the the pressure they put on their kids, and the boy, there's just an explosion of coaching so you can you can hire a coach for anything for your mm-hmm. kid. So I just yesterday was reading an article about a, an academy if you want to teach your kid to be a good defensive end. So he can learn, he can learn edge rushing. (laughs) And so parents try to try to pick a specialty and then they have this hope that their kids going to make the NFL. And it's all based on, you know, you got to do this. You got travel teams where they're traveling every weekend and we don't like kids be kids. I think too many parents are trying to live out their fantasies through their kids who are never going to achieve that. Hmm. So, what you end up with is a kid that's focused on one thing way too long. Yeah. That isn't life helpful. Yeah, uh, on the positive side, uh, you know, it's still pretty early, but we're seeing a lot of statistics right now and studies that are showing dads more involved in childcare and in household responsibilities than they were in early generations. I think kids need to see their dad contribute to the well-being of the family, uh, not just financially. And so it's you know we women and moms in the workplace that ship has sailed, we got it. Yeah. But dads in the home place has been a little slower <laughs> to happen. So what we've been is we're all we're all understanding that uh, my my spouse is also working, but then when she gets home. She gets to be also in charge of the household. Well, I get to go hit golf balls. Mm. And so we're seeing that kind of moderate some. It's, it's still pretty early, and it's not like these stunning statistics. Like I think, I think stay-at-home dads don't own me to it. I think the ratio's gone from like 10 to 17%. Which is that's it's a pretty that's, big difference. That's significant. Yep. So we're we're starting to see dads more involved. In, in other things. And I think that's positive. Yeah. You've seen maybe fathers that have come through.
0: Have you seen any cultural trends in that as far as missionary fathers and yeah, from a distance?
1: And you know, the one I'm, I'm a little concerned about is we seem to be making an idol of our children, hmm. an idol of family time. Hmm. And it, it's not completely realistic it's like the boomerang trend so if you were raised by a boomer who mm. was absent then you want to just prove that you're all in all the time everywhere and even as dads are more involved in the house dads also sometimes just need to let their kids be kids mm. so i was at the i was at the golf course yesterday afternoon after work just chipping and yeah. putting and one of our students, he's like 10th grade was there. And so we were talking, just hanging out a little. And then he decided he was going to go play. So he went to the first tee and took off. And his dad then, like three months later, his dad was on the putting green with me. I was like, man, your your son just just teed off. He said, yeah, I I know. And I would love to play with him, but I've learned about 45 minutes of me. He's ready to play with his friends and not me. Wow. And so I thought, okay, that's that's a pretty good dad. He'd love to be out there on the golf course with his son, but there is this there is this time in life when parents turn stupid. Hmm. You know, it's it's at a different time with different kids, and so like you never know exactly when it's going to be, but it's almost overnight you turn you're dumb as a rock, (laughs) and so many parents that's like that affects their self worth and everything about them. I think when you're in that season, okay. Yeah. So right now I'm an idiot, but in a couple of years, I'm going to be smart again. <laughs> and, and the advantage in a local church setting is we have so many other people hmm. that are inputting into our kids' lives that we know there's still some good positive voices that don't always happen for our missionary families. Hmm. So they don't always have that somebody else close by good, good spiritual voices in their kids lives so if if i'm a missionary parenting my missionary kids i would be intentionally trying to cultivate relationships with other positive christ following adults knowing that when i turn stupid Hmm. my kids my kids will have somebody smart to listen to that's good
0: great word great word you recently graduated um with with your son um we were watching, we got to watch the, uh, I think, I don't know if it was during COVID or what, but anyway, we were watching it online and got to see that. Um, can you just share a little bit of the backstory of that and, and what you learned in the process of being a student um, with him?
1: Yeah, we both graduated from with our master's degrees from the Assemblies of God Theological Seminary. Uh, he actually graduated before me alphabetically. His name's Parker. My name's Rod. (laughs) He he had about a five second. uh, And he reminds me of that, that he got his master's degree. (laughs) It was, it was really fulfilling the moment, doing it together, walking the line, taking pictures. It was a life accomplishment for me. It was just the next step for him. Uh, I did it. At this stage of my life, it's not like there's something I want to do that I can't do. But if only I had a master's degree, I could do it. Right. Uh, But I wanted to model lifelong learning for my sons and for my team. And so doing that together set a real good example for our church and for our team. Uh, We learned it's hard for leaders to be students. Hmm. We Hmm. had one one really bad professor. Hmm. It was it was our first time to teach. She's no longer teaching there, so you yeah. don't have to worry about it. <laughs> but, but it was so bad, and we so wanted to fix her yeah. that we probably didn't learn anything in the class. Wow. Because we were so focused on everything she was doing wrong. It's it's probably a, a subject where we could have gained some knowledge and it would have been good for us. Instead, the leader in us wanted to fix the bad hmm. leader. Hmm. And so that was that was kind of interesting and it it was fun talking about the books together it was yeah. it was fun talking about um you know what we thought was useful and what we thought wasn't quite so useful we didn't we didn't cheat you know we didn't <laughs> we didn't we didn't, take, we didn't take tests together and stuff like that and I'm proud to say even though it was more longer since I've been in school that um he might have graduated first. But I graduated best. My GPA, <laughs> my GPA was higher than my son's GPA. And again, you don't yeah. you don't get to take your grade point average to heaven or a job interview. That's right. But for the family um bragging rights. You were on top. Yep, I had a different color around my neck. It felt pretty special. <laughs> very cool. Very cool. So that's a
0: unique way that you've connected with your son. You modeled. You said you modeled to him and your family, lifelong learning, the church. Do you have any advice maybe for a father that's maybe having trouble at this point of their life connecting with their son or or connecting with their children? It doesn't have to be specifically their son, but a father that wants to connect but is not connecting with their children.
1: Yeah, it's something that I learned. Thankfully, I learned it fairly early along. Learn to love what your children love. Hmm. So I ended up doing a lot of things that I never wanted to do. Hmm. So I was never interested in four-wheelers. I'd never ridden one in my life, didn't care. Yeah. But my younger son, Parker, he wanted he wanted to four-wheel. So you know what I became? Passionate about four-wheeling. Wow. My older son loved the Dallas Mavericks and so we went to Dallas Mavericks basketball games i i was never a big gamer yeah but my kids love video games yeah and so i learned to sit there and play james bond shoot 'em up game with them for an hour and a half as as they change in age what they love changes and I think so many parents are frustrated because, well, I bought you this and then now it's only two years later and you just move on with them. <laughs> and, and so when they learn to love something new, I decided I'd love that something new with them. Yeah. It's more meaningful when you do their things instead of adding them to your things.
0: Hmm, That's a good word.
1: So I've got a, I've got a pastor I'm coaching right now. And, um, All right, not a pastor, a father that I'm coaching right now. And I just challenged him take a whole day and just do what your kids want. Hmm. Don't, don't try to decide here's what we're going to do. And whatever they say, do it. Yeah. And you'll find when you join what they love instead of expecting them to join what you love, Hmm. that connecting happens more naturally. Now you can do some stuff you completely don't enjoy, but who cares? Right, I mean that's we. I think we worry way too much about what we like and what makes us feel good. What makes me feel good is sons who love me. Yeah. I, I can ride four wheelers, and I I can pretend like it's the greatest thing in the world. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm a, I'm the world's worst fisherman, and my son wanted a boat, wanted to fish, so we fish. I never caught a thing, yeah. but but I did it. You just you do what they love, and it's amazing how much you connect with them and then you can never use that a lever. Well, I did your thing. Now you gotta do my thing. No, just do their thing.
0: Yeah. That's good. Good, good, good word. You know, kind of transitioning, we sometimes we think of fatherhood as in the physical form of being a dad. But you as I shared in the opening, you've been a, a spiritual father to many. Um, yeah, can you just share a little bit about that and the importance of being not only a physical father, but also being spiritual fathers to others.
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll. I may talk for a little while here. So if it gets too long, just cut me off because a couple things popped in my mind. Uh, one is something I'm just learning more recently. My way is exactly that. My way. It's not the only way. It's not necessarily the right way. It's not even a better way. It's just my way. And. I learned that in life, I accumulated way too many opinions that I thought were right. And so in being a spiritual father, sometimes it's learned to allow them to lead and follow their way instead of your way. It's, I, you know, I think my way is all that in a bag of chips, but my way probably isn't better. It's just my way. And I, I watched so many leaders who are so obsessed with things being done their way. Show me a leader who has to have it done their way, and I'll show you a leader who doesn't delegate well and who doesn't raise up other leaders, just followers. Um, Maybe the second thing, the words of a spiritual father really matter. Hmm. Words of affirmation are remembered forever, even better if they're written so that they're kept forever make daily affirmation deposits in the people you, you lead. And some people they're just, well, I'm not, I'm not good. Affirmer change. <laughs> I mean, why would you, why would you allow a weakness in you to create weakness in your followers oh, uh, change? So words of affirmation, remember forever words of correction should only be communicated in love. Hmm. there it's not the words of correction aren't always remembered as much as the attitude and the spirit behind it and that's not forgotten it's it's just stunning how much your words matter and it's scary how often spiritual fathers don't realize the impact of their words Hmm. and then you know probably the change i'm most excited i made when i made it at about 42 43 years old i made an intentional thinking shift that if i would have made it at 35 i can't imagine but most people don't make it till 65 Hmm. and that is to switch your thinking from legacy from accomplishment to legacy Hmm. so when you're young you just want to accomplish things you want your name to be known you want you want to make a mark when you shift a legacy. It's more about, can I equip and help and enable others to make a mark? Hmm. And the sooner you make that shift, the greater your legacy. Wow, it's good. And so I shifted earlier than most. And I, it's, I've found it to be really satisfying. I, hmm. I celebrate their wins more than their, my own. I, I give them opportunities that they don't deserve Hmm. and they shouldn't have at their age. Hmm. But it's, it's a joy for me to, to be there for that. So in our, our biggest service of the year and our most exciting service of the year is our good Friday service. It's crazy. The crowd's responsive. It's nuts. Um, This year we did Kind of, we had four communicators in the service, each doing seven to eight minutes in the service. Uh, I was not one of them. Wow! Hm. It was all people I've I've led, hm. and so I sat on the front row, and I, amen, and clapped, and cried, hm. and stood, and shouted, hm. and when it was done, I told my wife, it didn't hit me until it was done. I said. You know what? Never one time did I think, man, I wish I was speaking to that crowd. Wow. Not once. And so that let me know I made that change to legacy. Hmm. I, hmm. I'm genuinely excited to, to see them achieve. Yeah. And so the, the people I coach, mentor, I tell them, when you have your biggest day, call me, and I hmm. won't tell you how big my day was. Wow. Hmm. When you take your biggest offering ever, call me, and I won't tell you what we gave. Hmm. I'll just celebrate with you. So I'm not going to one-up you. Yeah. I'm not going to try to prove that I should still be your leader because look what I did. Yeah, I'm just going to be super excited for what happens in you. If we would shift to legacy earlier, we would leave greater legacies.
2: Hmm. Hmm.
1: And, and so, you know, there's a whole lot of things I haven't done well done that one pretty well.
0: Is there something you see, um, a reason or, uh, that people don't make that shift earlier? You said you shared that a lot of times people don't make that shift to 65. Um, is there, yeah. Is there some barriers that prevent people from making that shift earlier on in life?
1: I think some of it, I think two things, probably primarily insecurity and ego. Wow. Uh, my ego is: I need to be important. Hmm. I want I want my name to be known. People need to know what I contributed. Hmm. Uh, insecurity is: Well, if I give away the recognition, and if I give away the opportunity, then that means there's less for me. Hmm. Which I've found it actually works the opposite: that what you give away, you gain. Hmm. So, so many older leaders almost demand honor well if you give honor you get honor yeah when you give affirmation you get affirmation you actually it's not like a pie where there's only eight pieces when you give it as the leader you increase the size of the pie yeah it's good. and so now there's more pieces of the pie you're not getting less matter of fact as you give it away you gain more because the yeah. pie is bigger But so many leaders are afraid they're not going to have their moment Hmm. and they're, you know, they're concerned. I'm going to lose my place at the table. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to lose my place at the table. That's how it's supposed to be. It's true. That's true. I'm going to move. I'm going to move from being the leader to not being the leader. Okay. Yeah. I won't be the first one. That's kind of the pattern of scripture. Um, Jesus left earth. Yeah. And when he did, (laughs) you know, when he did, he said to his disciples, what? Hey, guys, guess what? You're going to do even cooler things than I did. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Well, that's an incredible legacy moment that we don't always see as one, but Jesus could summon lightning, I assume. He could do some pretty cool things. I mean, I might have been tempted to do like a show of power. (laughs) Let me show you guys what I can do. I'm gonna I'm gonna grow a 50 year old tree with a snap of my fingers. Yeah, I see that. See that guy over there that's mouthing off. I'm gonna hit him with a bolt of lightning. (laughs) That's not what Jesus did. Said, "Hey guys, you do greater things." Wow, wow. I never never thought of it that
0: way, but man, a powerful lesson on legacy and um, those that come after us, for sure. I got two more questions for you. Um, is there someone that you've spoken into your life, uh, maybe as a spiritual father
1: or someone that has served in that role and spoken into your life? I think I have three people, and each of them I gained something different. Mm-hmm. From Pastor Dan Rothwell in Fargo, North Dakota, I learned the discipline of prayer, the most disciplined man of prayer that I've ever met in my life. And he modeled that and led that well. From Pastor J. Don George, I learned that details matter, and he taught me if, if, you make, if you'll take care of the variables and make sure everything's right, you'll free yourself to let the Lord direct you to other things. But if you're up there and you're having to think about the little stuff, then your mind won't be as receptive to hear what the Lord has to say and what he wants to do in that moment. Wow. So he taught me to make sure everything was right. Yeah, And then, then in the moment, trust the Lord knowing you've already handled all the details. That's good. Trust the Lord. And then the third was out in Garrison and, uh, Alton really taught me, he really taught me leadership Hmm. and he he shared relationships with me Hmm. with key leaders. Hmm. And I still have those relationships today. I'm very grateful for it.
0: That's amazing. That's amazing. Last question. Um, As your family's changed over time, what are some of the joys of being a father at at this stage of life?
1: Oh, this stage of life is pretty fun. Yeah. Uh, I guess a lot of it goes along with, Legacy instead of accomplishment, but this stage i'm less directive hmm. and i'm I'm more offering insights and thoughts and options and kind of just nudging a little bit along the way and at this stage of my life, I think the part i'm most excited about is i'm looking forward to the change of roles Wow we have a timeline that we've okay. discussed. Okay. And I'm not ready to discuss with all of you. Right. But, <laughs> but then I, I, we get to decide when I'm irrelevant. I don't yeah. want you guys to jump it. Um, but I'm really looking forward to the change of roles, wow. to them leading and me moving into the following role. Hmm. I, I very much enjoy sitting under their ministry. Hmm. And I, I think I'm going to be the best follower Hmm. they've ever had Hmm. i'm i'm already thinking about uh when i start winding down and where i'm gonna sit how i'm Hmm. gonna respond how i'm gonna i've got all these accumulated years of influence here yeah and so how i'm gonna cheer for changes Hmm. how i'm gonna i'm gonna help them change the stuff they don't like even if it's stuff i like yeah i'm i'm that part of it excites me. Moving back, I was a really good follower, Aaron. Hmm. And I was really good at it and I loved it. And it, it was meaningful to me and I enjoyed it. This season of my life, my assignment is to lead First NLR and its campuses. But I'm looking forward to that next assignment and I'm looking forward to my next following assignment. And I'm, I'm, I'm really thrilled about that. It's, it's, it's going to be very meaningful. It's exciting.
0: Pastor Ron, it's been an honor and a joy to spend some time with you today. Will you pray for, for us and pray that God will use the wisdom and insight that you've shared with us, not just for, for us to gather knowledge, but for us to put it into action, the lessons and the wisdom you've shared with us today. Will you pray for us?
1: I'd be honored to. Thanks Lord. Thanks for the beautiful way that you modeled a legacy mindset for us. Lord, thank you because you could have chosen something different than us and something different than the local church. So thanks for the just the honor of getting to be part of what you're doing. Lord help help us to never see that as a entitlement, but it always is an honor. That you've trusted us with that. Thank you for that. Lord, I pray for people listening to this podcast. And I, I pray, Lord, that you would help them make the intentional shift from accomplishment to legacy. And that we would raise up a generation that accomplishes the task of touching this whole world with the whole gospel. And Lord, that we would we would embrace that. Help us. Help us not to clutch on to power and clutch on to control, and clutch on to position and titles, but to release that joyfully to our sons and our daughters, our spiritual sons and our spiritual daughters, and with grace to follow and cheer and be excited as they accomplish what you've called them to do. Lord, I pray especially for parents who may have kids who are currently not on track with the kingdom, Pray, Lord, that you'd give them just the comfort and the confidence that seeds planted do result in a harvest. And we ask you, rather selfishly, to accelerate that harvest. And believe in that you can. And we we just we pray that our kids would love you, love their parents, and love your church. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen.